I will always be the villain in someone's story. There is no one fits all in content creation as everyone has their own methodology. Everyone usually shows only what they want to show. But I started to realize that wasn't the right way to really connect with your audience and gain traction because everyone could do that. If I am now in a position in which I have daily inquiries, it's because I kept doing and I kept moving even when my posts were underperforming. And that is something really powerful because it attracts the right people. Hey there, real quick. If you enjoyed the show, please support by following on your favorite podcast station, review and share it with your peers to help them and me out because I don't run any ads and every share helps. Thanks and let's jump into it. Deborah, welcome to the Noah Solopreneur Show. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. My pleasure. Uh, where are you calling from today? I'm in Madrid, just moved to Spain. In Madrid, uh, calling from Bali, so almost on the other side of the world. <laughs> Glad to have you. And uh, please introduce yourself to our listeners in a short way. I will try to keep you brief. I'm Italian, so it's not very easy for me, but yeah, let's try it. My name is Debbie. I am a strategic marketing and personal branding consultant as well as the content creator on LinkedIn. This is very brief. Yeah, it's really brief indeed. <laughs> Thanks for introducing yourself. And for anyone listening, I managed to connect with Debbie on LinkedIn, which is an amazing platform. If you guys aren't on LinkedIn yet, it's time to do it. It's 2023 and everyone is crushing it there. And I want to bring Debbie in the show because she has an, a very fast growth there and she has a lot of value to share. But before jumping into that, please, Tell us, how do you end up starting creating content on LinkedIn? So I initially started like getting know the platform as most people do while job searching. So I started when I was taking my master's, I started to understand how the platform was working and it was still a more job search platform, especially before the pandemic. So I started to get familiar with that and I started to see people posting, other creators, but I couldn't see myself creating content. I was just reposting like motivational quotes or viral content. I started creating and sharing my stories in 2021 initially because I wanted to try out. And I noticed that there were a lot of creators that were having a great experience with making friends and getting a lot of business from LinkedIn. So I wanted to try out myself. I was already working in social media. So I was already working before for Facebook and then for Pinterest. So I wasn't completely new to the landscape. So I wanted to explore a new platform, but this time for myself. I initially started just sharing like tips and tricks about marketing because it was my subject. But I started to realize that wasn't the right way to really connect with your audience and gain traction and engagement because everyone could do that. So after a few weeks of really depressing thoughts, <laughs> I changed my approach and I started to be a bit more myself and I started to share my personal insights, personal opinion about some specific controversial topics regarding my subject, as well as some personal stories with some core messages. And after a few weeks of doing that, I started to get a lot of traction and a lot of people noticing me and it started to change everything. I didn't continue. I didn't last longer 
for the first time. It was like less than three months because I was actually doing it just for fun to make friends. So, and I wasn't winning any business from that because I wasn't like, I didn't have any clarity or any specific uh, strategy behind like what I was sharing. It was just for fun. I built a very strong network with influential people, but I wasn't getting any leads or any specific business opportunities because I was working full time and I wasn't even in my mind. So when in August, there, the platform had an algorithm change. There was a, an update. And in that moment, I realized that I was way too attached to the metrics. And I was getting depressed whenever a post was underperforming. <laughs> so it was way too much and it didn't make any sense because I wasn't getting like any real business from that. I realized that it was negative and affecting my mental health. So I decided to stop at all. So it was a tough de decision, but I needed to take a break. And it was supposed to be just one week, one month, but then it lasts more than one year. I restarted last year in, uh, during the summer in July. But from that moment, I started to do it intentionally with a purpose uh, and with a proper strategy behind. From that moment, everything changed and I'm still creating. How did you make the transition from that person that was looking at the wrong stats and restart posting and being able to grow this fast and in the same time not being affected by engagement, likes, followers, vanity metrics. Sometimes I'm still affected by that. Like maybe for one hour, <laughs> then uh, I move on. <laughs> it's very hard to detach yourself uh, from what you are doing and the vanity metrics. So like, it takes a lot of effort still now. I think the main uh, things that changed were my approach, my intent, and the overall purpose. Because when I first started, I didn't have a strong why. I didn't have clarity about what I was doing. I was just writing for fun because I've always loved writing. And I was also getting a lot of engagement since the very first beginning, the very first weeks after when I started sharing my story. So the dopamine were really high, but there wasn't a strong why and clarity on what I was doing. So my approach changed when I realized that the impact that I could make was even more powerful in terms of people reading my content, connecting with others, creating a community was much, much more valuable than the vanity metrics per se. So I started to focus more on the relationship, the messages that I was getting from people who were resonating with my content and could make real changes to their life because of what I was sharing. So I started to realize like that my why was, was another one. So there was no point to just chasing metrics uh, that can change all the time. And it's not something that I can control. Yeah, true, because we we are basically at the hand of the platforms every time. They make an algorithm change or the reach drops significantly because they're focusing on ads and so on. And yeah, that's important thing to have that why that you're focusing on and to be able to impact others as you do. That's really powerful. And moving on this side of things, like impacting others, what's your future goal when it comes to your content creation on LinkedIn? So actually help people get more confidence about what they are doing, stay true to themselves 
uh, had them avoid the mistakes that I made in the past, like say yes to the wrong opportunities and say no to the right one just because you lack confidence. So this is something that is really important to me. And on the personal side, getting better, negative self-talks and getting more confidence by doing even more things that I would like to do, but maybe I'm not confident enough and I want to get better. How are you able to spot the good and the bad opportunities? So this is a very good question. And especially at the beginning, as a new freelancer, I realized that following the right opportunities can make a big difference in the quality of your own life. So right now I feel like I am in a very good position in the sense that I do not need to chase anyone. I have a strong brand, so come to me for inquiries, uh, asking me for services. But not everyone is the same and are, not everyone is someone I want to work with. I track some red flags. So for example, if clients are rude to me or they keep comparing me with someone else or the cheapest or if they feel make me feel bad about myself or make me try to prove myself, even if I have like lots of social proof, I can even give the names of the clients I'm working with because I'm confident about that. So if they make me feel bad about myself, they are not capable of respecting my own boundaries. For me, it's a big red flag and I don't care about the amount of money that they can give me. They are not people I want to work with. And also people who are expecting like overnight results. Even if I set the boundaries and I share what is possible, what is not. So if you are not in the right mindset, if you have a fixed mindset, it's really hard to work with someone who doesn't want to implement, uh, but just want the results straight away. <laughs> so yeah, these are a few red flags that I try to track. They're, those are really important. And I think you touch on a thing there that a lot of people simply overlook. They say as to every opportunity, to every project, not considering this red flag. Maybe they say, oh, maybe it's just my gut feeling, but your gut feeling is usually right. And if you can spot someone that is not respecting, as you mentioned, your boundaries, which are the most important thing. It's basically affecting all your work, your life, the other clients of yours. Doesn't worth it. And that's a really important thing. And speaking of working with clients and getting them inbound, because in my opinion, it's the best way you can do business. And especially as a solopreneur that is maybe just starting out and not having yet arrived at the point that you are with getting inbound leads all the time, what will be your advice for them to be able to arrive where you are now? I would say start small. So not just start and jump because usually it can be really hard to keep going if you don't get the results and you just see low numbers. Don't just start without any specific plans, but start small. So don't start creating, posting twice a day, if you have never started posting, doesn't make any sense to start like a crazy challenge about posting twice a day because you will burn out in one week. That is very important, even more than getting leads straight away. Because like the playing the long game is what really makes the difference and it compounds. So right now, I think I am approximately at 500 posts so far. So it's a lot of content. If I am now in a position in which I have daily inquiries, 
it's because I kept doing and I kept moving even when my posts were underperforming and even when I wasn't as much consistent. And another very important advice is don't compare yourself with people who are already established their brand. Like if you're in the chapter one, it doesn't make any sense to compare yourself with someone in their chapter 20. So this is another good point, I think. Yeah, thank you so much. And to summarize that, so basically you start small and you have a plan that you can keep up with like once a week, twice a week or whatever, but to be able to do it consistently, because that's the second thing that you mentioned, because otherwise, if you just post now, maybe in three months, after four months, in one year, won't happen anything to you. And yeah, that comparison game, it's a huge one as well. And there's other things that it's quite unfortunately normal in the social media space. But in the same time, being aware of these things, it's extremely important to keep a healthy balance between your work and actually content creation, which is in a way two different things. And speaking of that, since you have this massive success and getting a lot of inbound leads and a lot of work, how do you manage to balance client work with content creation? So it's not always easy. I'm still optimizing my processes, especially because right now I'm getting much more work than before. But I used to be in client management myself. So managing clients was something I was already very familiar with. I'm trying to block time for every activity during activities during the day. So I can also take some time off for myself, at least a few hours per day, something, especially if the sunlight is very important for me. And I try to build a routine. So this is something that I actually doing right now that I'm getting like stable, <laughs> let's say in the same country. So building a routine in terms of content creation, especially. And in terms of clients, is something that can really make the difference because you have certain hours dedicated to content creation, to posting, to engagement, to sales calls. So it really makes everything easier and even stay consistent, especially if you are just starting out. If you block time for every activity and you build up a routine, it's like going to the gym. So it's something that you... If you do it systematically and at the same time, like in the morning, in the afternoon, it's much easier to stay consistent. If you just do it randomly throughout the day or once or like a week, then it's much, much harder. Yeah, indeed. And you mentioned something that not a lot of people do, that time for yourself and to get sunlight. I think for those that admire the hustle culture and working all the time and every single frame in your calendar to be booked for work, you mentioned something that I think has a huge impact on your productivity and the way of being able to stay consistent on your actual work. And without recharging our batteries and importantly, getting that sunlight that we need, it's basically impossible to, to do the work at a high level that you do. and. You also mentioned the fact that you're trying to automatize things and to be able to do things even smoother than this. Do you have any tips on that? How people can automatize? Yeah, either we delegating outsourcing, for example, outsourcing things that you are not really good at or you don't have the time to take care of. So that has a great impact because you're not overloaded all the time. And especially if there are other admin tasks that someone else can do for you, 
or other projects that you're not super familiar with and you don't have the right skill set. So it's not convenient for you to do it yourself. So I think that is very important as well as using maybe software or platforms so that make you accelerate everything like writing tools, AI. So these are all tools that can be used. Of course, I wouldn't focus much on that. So these are not like you have the shiny objects that I think there is a syndrome of this in which you look at the tools and you think that they will be the solution of your life problems, but it's not like that. But they can, they can of course, help. Yeah, indeed. That's one thing that I'm personally guilty of because I love tools. I love technical stuff. And nowadays, especially with AI, a lot of new tools and new toys come up daily and you try them all, you play with them and all of them promise that you'll change your life forever and you won't have to work a day in your life, which is of course bullshit. And, but doing that systematically as you do and actually leveraging other people, skills and time and you to be able to focus on the most important things in your business, that's a huge thing. When it comes to finding the right person to outsource to or the right thing to outsource to, do you have any kind of filtering system in which you say, okay, this task is must done by me, this task I must outsource. What's your filtering process uh, on that? In terms of prioritization, so the work that I need to prioritize, so something that is important, something that is less important, but also something that is important and I don't have the time to take care, but it's important and it's essential for my business as well as something that it's, it's not super important, but it's it can be it can help to to speed up other processes, for example. So I usually consider like the priority, like the priority itself, urgency and importance. And speaking of priorities, routines and so on that you finally settled in Madrid, I know that you travel quite a lot, that you're from Italy and you move quite in a few places. And of course, since you are a nomad solopreneur show, I would like to touch on, on your nomadic journey and how you end up in Madrid? What was your journey? So I've been traveling the world over the last few years, but it wasn't just for work. I made it possible through different kinds of projects. So basically I moved from Italy to Glasgow because I started an internship in finance and I needed to improve my English and I didn't know how to speak English to foreigners, so to native speakers and traveling on my own. That was the big objective. So I realized that I not only was something that I wanted to do, but it was something I really loved doing. <laughs> I just stayed abroad and now I'm working in English. I then started my master's in Portugal and in Paris. So it was in Lisbon and in Paris as well. I leave those two cities because of my studies. I have taken some projects in other places between exams. So I usually try to finish my exams ahead in time. So. I could do something else and make the most of my time in other places and as well as learning the local languages. So I took up other projects in London. Then I went volunteering in Brazil. I work also in Oxford and then in Dublin. So I ended up in, in Dublin when I was working for the tech companies. So I went to Dublin for work, but then I decided to go back to Spain because the culture, the sunshine, <laughs> it's really different. Ireland was very cold uh, and the drinking culture for me was 
incompatible with my lifestyle. So it was something that I was struggling a lot with. So I decided I wanted to just move to my dream country and to my dream city. So I took the chance because I was working online. I was working for myself. My clients come mostly from the States, Canada, or UK. So I didn't have any limitations in terms of location. So I said, okay, it's not too far away from my family. So I can always visit in a few hours by flight. I I can go, but I want to be in a sunny place. Well, that's quite a journey. And why you choose, you mentioned Dream City Madrid and probably for most me, including when you think about Spain, you think about Barcelona. I also lived in Barcelona. I forgot to mention it. I was running a marketing project there. I really love it, actually. But I wanted to experience living in Madrid as well, because I am a city girl. So Barcelona looked more of a holiday place, I think. And Madrid is bigger. There is more life. And the mentality is a bit different. I love both, but I also wanted to learn Spanish from Madrid. As in Barcelona, they speak Catalan. They don't speak Spanish. So also for my language skills was something helpful. But I wouldn't mind go back to Barcelona as well. So right now, sometimes I still travel to Barcelona. (laughs) I also lived in Malaga, which was a very nice place to stay. So I'm still deciding. (laughs) I like Spain. Madrid was new, so I wanted to test it out. I love it so far, but never say never. (laughs) I don't exclude the option to go back to Barcelona. Yeah, true. And they are so close to each other, probably one hour flight and you're there. And uh, speaking of languages, because I know that you can speak quite a few languages and you mentioned that you weren't able to speak English and you literally jump into a new culture, new country and speaking a new language. And on this topic, I would like to challenge you because we have a tradition in this show to challenge our guest to build something meaningful for someone that is listening. And I think this is a, a problem for a lot of people like the English is their second language and they maybe never travel abroad or something. What will be the step-by-step preparation process for someone listening that haven't traveled yet to an English-speaking country or to other country in which they can go about in English and other languages to make the transition as smooth as possible for them? So what I did was starting even before leaving. So when I left, I was B2. So I knew English, but I wasn't very comfortable and I was fluent. But it was more related to confidence and like practicing English speaking as well. So what I did was reading aloud. So reading topic about topics you care about and you are passionate about. So for example, I was reading about self-development, mindset, business marketing. It was already something that I was into, even if I was in finance. So I was already into the buyer psychology, human psychology as well. So whenever you have the option to read aloud, it makes you become better at speaking as well because you familiarize with your own voice speaking in the foreign language. Another thing that I did was listening to podcasts as well. So you can practice the speaking part by reading on your own, but also listening to podcasts about subjects you care about and audiobooks as well. So if you read and listen at the same time, that can be very powerful because you recognize the letters, but you associate 
the sounds with or the meaning with the words themselves. So that helped me a lot. And then I also took some like private lessons with some professors or even exchanges when people want to learn your language and you want to learn their language, you make friends by speaking to each other in their own language, like half an hour in your language, half an hour in my language. So that can be very powerful. And speaking of making friends and getting used to a new place, what was your approach after you arrived in Glasgow? So in Glasgow, it hasn't been very hard. I expected it was much, would have been much worse. The fact is that I was already in a, in a project with a company. So I started making friends inside the company and as well as I was studying English and getting IELTS uh, certificate for the masters. So I just naturally made friends with people learning English as well. So they were all from different countries uh, all over the world. But if you have already communalities, you have the context. It's much easier to make friends. As a solopreneur, I must say that it's much harder than when you are moving, but you already have a project, you are going for studies, uh, or you already have a program specifically. So if you're working online, uh, I could see the difference. Yeah, true, indeed. And I was struggling with this when I was fully working from home and not going out to work from different places. But since I start traveling, it's much more easier because I go in the places that nomads hang out or working spaces, coffee places, and you meet a lot of people at various skill shares, workshops and whatever. And yeah, that's a good way to, to make friends as well. And speaking of friends, connection and moving back to LinkedIn, I'm really impressed by your approach to LinkedIn and how fast you're able to grow a powerful and engaging community. And uh, do you use any specific things to create content and engage with others like frameworks or writing techniques and so on in order to make them listen to what you have to say and also engage? So I've been studying copywriting and storytelling over the last few years. And I started learning copy when I was working within Facebook because I had to help clients with their marketing strategies. And the copy was a big part. It was on the paid side, so it wasn't on a specifically on organic, but I was already helping them optimizing their profile as well as building campaigns uh, with the right copy that could grab attention. So I started from there and I started to realize that I was already interested in psychology. So I started to connect with both. And I do use frameworks. I also studied other creators, especially at the beginning when I started to do it intentionally. So from last summer, I really studied not just the big creators, but the ones that were growing faster and providing value. So I wasn't focused on the number of likes they were getting, but on the content that they wrote and the value for me. Right now I use frameworks and I actually build my ebook with a collection of frameworks to get started and to avoid and to overcome the writer's block. So I will probably make an extension of that with a digital product in the near future. Yeah, that's a good idea because writing block, it's one of the things that stops a lot of people to start creating online because they just stare at the blank screen. And to avoid this, you always start with a specific structure, a specific framework, or you start with a hook because I hear so many ways 
of creating content. And I would love to hear your take on this. There is no one fits all in content creation as everyone has their own methodology. So someone prefer to planning months in advance. Other people want to have more flexibility, but I don't usually just use the hooks because it's like, they can also be like click bite. If you don't provide the content, like the value, then it's, it's useless. Maybe you can get a lot of likes, but it's, it's not going to convert. So I usually start from the why. So what I'm doing, this kind of people that I want to attract, then I created my content pillars. So initially my content pillars were people skills, strategy thinking and growth. So these were the main topics I was talking about even before having an offer. So people started to contact me for personal branding even before I, I was offering the service. But I was creating about these topics and I was attracting the right people. So people who cared about this topic, which were also aligned with what I was doing and the value that I could provide. Then I adjusted them a little, but I usually start from the content pillars. So the macro categories, and then you can add the subcategories and you can better define based on the client journey or other kinds of categorizations that you can add would be a big topic, but I think some important factors here are knowing what you are doing, like in terms of the way you are in the platform, what are your motivations, your goals, so what do you want to achieve, your target audience, so the kind of people that you want to attract and why, so they should connect with your offer and your business and the content pillars themselves. So what you want to stand for and what you want to write about, as well as those two free topics that you can just talk straight without running out of ideas after 30 minutes. So usually this is a good indicator. You have a specific way in which you create content a certain time in a day or you batch create? It really depends. Sometimes I take like one hour in the, during the weekend to create more content in a row. Other times I am inspired because I like I see a comment from someone under my post that do a follow-up post the next day. So a rule that I usually follow is separating the time in which I create and which I edit. So I usually prefer to sleep on it. And I realize that this way I can edit and I can cut the fluff. I can cut redundant words as well as make the copy much better because I'm not in the same, from the same perspective than I was the previous day. So maybe I'm sharing something very emotional regarding a personal story, an event, uh, and I could post straight away, but sometimes I prefer to wait a little. So I still uh, write down the notes, uh, write the notes down, but I prefer to edit later on uh, and rewrite what I've, like reread what I've written and cut uh, to make it in a more rational and use the copyright rules that I know. So, so yeah, I usually try to separate both moments. Yeah, that's a powerful advice since we may, uh, may be in a state, as you mentioned, in which you are not the best mood to edit if you are emotional or something. And as well, like we, we can see with different eyes, with different perspective the next day. And when it comes to copywriting rules and what's your take on Copy focus on conversion. 
and especially when it comes to social media content. How much is too much when it comes to call to actions or trying to convert those readers into doing something that you want? So I believe this depends on the personal style also, because I usually work in a very holistic way. So most of the things I'm doing are like are not coincidence. They're not by chance, but they are like part of a bigger plan. In terms of conversion, it really depends on how you set up the strategy. So usually they're not just the post themselves that convert, but people convert because they have already seen you before. So it's really unlikely that they just give you thousands of dollars just because they see one post from you in which you sell your product. It can happen, of course, if you already have social proof and everything, but it's less common than people who are following you. You are like providing that value on a daily basis. They remember you for your average post. And then you you add a sales post in which you provide more context. You share more about your offer or you share a client testimonial, for example. And then they, you convince them that you are the right option for them. So it's not something that it's like, there is this misconception in which people say, yeah, this post is going to convert. This one is not going to convert. So I had posts that were sales posts that maybe converted after like one week. So it's not something that it's straightforward. Of course, there is the copy in which you have a call to action. Maybe you focus specifically on you converting the sense that you want to grow your email list or you want to lead them to your main offer. So yes, of course, copyright rules, uh, they are very valuable and they can work and they can uh, increase or decrease your reach and engagement. But it's not everything because people will remember you for your average posts. So stay in top of mind uh, and then like occasionally, but not too much, uh, like not too often because it can become even annoying. So in that moment, then you have the, like, you have already educational posts. In that moment, you post also promotional posts and people already know you and they also now know you, what you are offering, how you, they can work with you. You already demonstrated your skills and the value that you can have for free through your content. So you gave them the opportunity to take action, but it's not the post themselves. In most cases, it's not just that one post uh, that have converted five leads. So usually there is uh, an overall strategy and there is everything like what you did before and in between. Thank you so much for busting this myth because this is so much share online. Like, oh, this post got me, I don't know, 10 leads. That post got me seven leads. No, it doesn't. All the work that you did previously did the work for that particular post. And here we get back to consistency, because if you're consistently showing up, providing value, as you mentioned, for free, because this is one thing that a lot of people are afraid to share value for free. They say that, oh my God, they won't buy my services if I show them for free how to do them themselves. But people pay for execution. They don't pay for information. And that's powerful. And do you know any other myth that you can bust today because this was powerful one and i'm sure you might know other in this industry of content creation or social media that is still a myth and not true at all something to remember 
is that everyone usually shows only what they want to show. So this is something that I keep in mind myself because it's really hard, but social media is usually just a highlight. So they will show the list that they have generated from one post, but they, they won't show if they had a bad month in terms of revenue or if they didn't have client at all, or if they really struggle specifically with their business or their posts are not converting. So especially if you are like selling this kind of services, you can feel like bad about yourself that you are not reaching 50k per month because like everyone is doing it. So it's not that common and it's not something that happens like every month for everyone. So even if everyone tells us that from each post, they generate leads that are super qualified and they get thousands of dollars from each post anytime. So most of the time it's not true. I know that I am like a digital nomad myself, basically. So I've been living around the world. I have uh, changed country. It is not that easy as people want you to believe. So like the struggles behind the fiscal systems, the changes in rules, even like the way which people drive. So so there are a lot of differences and changes, the cultures. It's, it's not like, yeah, I just left my corporate job and moved to this country and everything is beautiful and I don't have issues. I don't have struggles anymore. So like be careful with that before, after. Because, of course, I do it myself in which I want to motivate people to, like, to improve their life, to change, to drive changes. But be careful with this, because even if we change for the better, there are still problems. And not every day will be a good day. So, but probably if I'm sad, I'm not going to, like, show that I'm not getting leads on social media. So it's really rare. If it, especially if you see like creators with 100k followers, it's much easier, it's more convenient to just show the highlights and like many cases, even faking it and omission is still alive. It's a white lie for many in which like they don't share anything. They just share the highlight in which they can be seen as the heroes. So yeah, I think it's very important and it's something that I try to keep it in mind whenever I scroll. <laughs> because everyone, they want to show the success stories, but they're not going to show their current failures. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think indeed this is a myth that everyone is successful. They don't have problems. So yeah, let's keep it real. <laughs> and speaking of keeping it real and raising it, because what I love about your post are the fact that you... Exactly this, you're keeping real, you're sharing as well the struggles, you're sharing as well your less positive experience that you have. How you manage to do that without affecting your boundaries or, I don't know, avoiding people to misinterpret those stories and so on? I will always be the villain in someone's story. So I cannot avoid people. Some people will always misinterpret my posts. So if I say that I, I like vanilla ice cream, there will be people telling me, why are you sharing that you don't like strawberry ice cream? No, that's not what I said, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like people, they see what they want to see. So I cannot uh, completely avoid to make people think uh, about I am a different person 
from the one that I am in reality. So I keep that in mind. I don't want to change people's opinion. And right now, like, I am well known for sharing bold opinions and really strong views. And I'm fine with not being liked by everyone. So if someone doesn't like the fact that I often share pictures in places of myself, it's fine. Like, I cannot oblige you to like me and I don't want you to like me. So unfollow me. I have no problem with that. But something that is really powerful is that, like, you get the confidence to stay true to yourself and to really share what you want to share without uh, hiding yourself behind a mask to try to please everyone. And that is something really powerful because it attracts the right people and people who really want to work with you, to stay with you and resonate with what you are sharing. So there are pros and cons as everything else, but I try not to be stuck just because there are haters and there are people sending me bullying messages. I do receive a lot of negative messages. I try to like let it go or respond instead of just reacting. So that is something that I'm also working on and try to like build awareness because sometimes there are just people with prejudices. It's not they, they're just people making assumptions, but they don't know nothing about you. So I try to come up with this like this approach this mindset. Yeah. And this is a powerful way of thinking. Usually what I found is that people project basically their struggles and their problems towards you. They, in reality, they don't have anything to do with you. It's just their problems and they becoming keyboard warriors and start to write bully messages or whatever. And that's wrong, unfortunately. And I think is one of the negative sides of social media among others. It's also parts of the success and parts of the things that if you grow at a certain level, more haters, more people that don't resonate with your messaging will, will appear. But what I love about the thing that you said is that it doesn't matter that you stick to what you want to write and you will attract the right person because a lot of people try to please everyone. And speaking of negative aspects of social media, what other negative aspects that you encounter and how you deal with those? So, yeah, I think you feel the judgment from some people around you. So people who are not used to see you creating content and have a voice sharing your opinions, you see that especially if they come from a small village, like I try to be careful with people who start behaving differently when they see the growth in me. So if I feel successful and I'm growing very fast and some people, they stop supporting me because they feel behind themselves or they don't like me growing and they start to say, yeah, but you have changed or they start to spread negativity or judging me for what I'm doing. Then it's a red flag. I start to avoid people who are there and supportive just when you feel down and they feel like superior in a better position. Especially when you start, uh, you feel the judgment. Uh, or if you're working for a company, you might struggle with sharing your truths. Uh, at the same time, you want to also embrace the corporate brand. So that can be also a struggle. It depends on the company specifically. So it's important to set the right boundaries. And if you see that something is not wrong, is not right, it doesn't feel right, uh, there usually there is a reason. 
don't just avoid the problems hoping that they will disappear. I prefer to take ownership uh, and do what I can to avoid negative people in my life uh, and stay with the ones that are supportive also when I'm successful, not just when I'm struggling and they feel more powerful. That's a really good way to filtering everyone in your life. Since those that are not supportive or seeing themselves threatened by your success or by the fact that you do something that for them, maybe it's uncomfortable because I noticed this as well. They simply are not able to shop for themselves and grow. And if someone else is doing it, they just simply feel down and project that problem of them towards you. And it's not cool. But yeah, keeping that in mind and trying to be mindful when it comes to social media approach, it will set you up for success. And speaking of social media and the way people can contact you, how is the best way for them if they want to connect with you or work with you to approach you? So I'm posting daily on LinkedIn. The best way is connecting with me on LinkedIn, maybe with a note because I have more than 3,000 pending requests. So filtering them, is, it can be a struggle as well. So it's better to contact me either with DM. If you want to work with me, you can go straight to my website and apply through the application form there. So the contact form on the website is the fastest way to get my attention. That's awesome. And I also post the website in which Debbie is sharing an amazing freebie with those content frameworks in the show notes and as well with a link to her LinkedIn profile. So make sure to check the show notes for that as well. And to wrap things up, this time I want you to create a challenge for our listeners, a short challenge, 24 hours max for them to complete. And once they do that, they'll be able basically to overcome their fears, challenges, and such to start simply posting online. What will be your challenge for them to do that? So I would say try to reply to some specific questions. So what are your main objectives and goals on LinkedIn? Is your time consumed there effective? Are you spending your time in the right way? Or are you just scrolling for the sake of doing it, but doing things that are not supporting your growth? Are you writing content that it's aligned with your business objectives? And are you connected with the right people? So try to reply to these questions, like write down these questions and try to reply. It's not super easy, especially at the beginning, but if you get clarity about the people you want to connect with, you assess your initial situation, then it's much easier to make the right adjustments and improve. Awesome. Thank you so much for the challenge and everyone listening, hopefully you'll apply this because this will set the foundation for your LinkedIn growth. And thank you so much, Debbie, for joining me today. It was wonderful having you. Thank you so much. And can't wait to continue to see your growth and follow your amazing journey. Enjoy sunny Madrid. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check the show notes where you'll find direct links to the tools and resources mentioned in this episode and much more. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcast station to not miss when we drop the next one. We have lots of exciting guests and surprises for you coming up. This is your host, Gabe Marushka with the Nomad Solopreneur Show. Until next week, Pura Vida. Yeah.